You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. Welcome everyone to the PJ's Cast. I'm your host Pierce, alongside my good pal Jimmy. Uh, but we have a very special guest today. Um, some might even call him the best Mendez from the country of Canada. What's going on, Ian Mendez? <laughs> wow, that's. Uh, I don't disagree. That's just straight up a shot at Sean. Uh, so <laughs> I'll I'll take it though. I'll take it. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, nothing against Sean Mendez, but uh, it's it's just oh, all how Sean great Mendes you are. are yeah, about. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, good. yeah, maybe for you, but you know, we're I'm from we're, American. But I'm from, I'm, yeah, we're we're I'm Canadian. Uh, Jimmy's American. Um, yeah, we, we have to go by stereotypes here. <laughs> but yeah, Ian, we're we're so glad to have you on here. Um, we actually have a bunch of questions to ask you, and it's it's great that you're on because uh, it's a very busy time right now. And obviously, free agencies tomorrow. So we're gonna get right into this. Uh, I always ask with every guest, uh, how how have you been doing during the whole COVID, uh, I guess, era period, whatever you want to call it? Have you picked up on any new activities? Have you binge watched any TV shows? Because I know that's been a popular thing. Have I have I binge watched any TV shows? I think I've binge watched all the TV shows. Like, <laughs> what TV shows uh, haven't you binge watched? I guess. Yeah, seriously, question. no. But like, you know, we, we binged that like. Like right at the very beginning, we got into you know like everybody else. What what the hell was that? The the, the Tiger, Tiger King, King and all, yeah, all Tiger that. Like, right right at the beginning of the pandemic, and then uh you know with our kids, we watched some some uh, what was that? Love is Blind. Did you guys ever see that last year? Uh, it was I don't terrible. Think so, no. Like uh, oh terrible. Maybe I have to watch then, that. <laughs> and then we would get into you know we we finally got around to watching Ozark, and we finally got around to watching. Uh, you know, uh, Shit's Creek, and we finally got around to you know a bunch of things that we kind of had on the 
on, on the beyond deck circle that we never had time for before March of 2020. And then all of a sudden we had nothing but uh, nothing but time. Uh, and so we just watched everything. Uh, we just wrapped up watching uh, Manifest, which just got canceled by NBC, which was a really fun uh, kind of a neat uh, show. But uh, we just we we watched binge watched three seasons of that only to find that they just uh, they canceled the series. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Oh man, that's like Ozark. Oh man, there was um, what's the biggest show Pierce? I feel like it's been uh rewatched lately. How have you uh, did you re- have you watched or rewatched Breaking Bad whatsoever? That seems to be the hot topic for everybody. Like rewatching it? No, like I rewatched my it, wife no. and I, my wife and I were pretty actually we were pretty late to that one too. Like oh, by the I time we too. watched yeah. Breaking yeah. Bad, it was already done, and like I think Better Call Saul had already been. I would, before we got to it, but I mean, I loved it. Yeah. Like if, I, if you had that, you need to tell me you're going to stick me on a on an island and you only get one uh, kind of show to watch, uh, and you're looking for something with drama and, and great storyline. I'm not sure you beat. Uh, I'm not sure you beat uh, uh, Breaking Bad for for that. Oh, great answer. Anyways, let's get to the questions, uh, Jimmy. You have the floor first because we actually have quite a few to ask. Oh no, for sure. For sure. Okay. Well, so the first thing I want to ask is, um, it's a player that I'm, uh, I was kind of late to the party on, um, last season, but I'd say I'm, he's, he's probably, I'd say I'm, I'm more high on him than most, I uh, many, many of the other young players out there. Um, and that would be Tim Stutzel. I want to know what you think, um, after this rookie season, what do you think he can do for them next year? Do you think that he can go right into that, take that next step into being maybe a 70, 80 point player? Do you, uh, do you think maybe, um, a bit more of the same? What do you think from Tim Stutzel next season? Like, you know what? And it's really tough. Like Tim Stutzel came in and I think on opening night in January, I think was his 19th birthday. If I'm, if I'm off by a couple of days, anyway. Like, you got to remember, like, when you're a teenager and you're breaking into a league that you've never played in before and you never had a training camp and you never had exhibition games and you're thrown into the fire, like, boy, oh, boy, that's a that's a tough uh, it's a tough battle. So, like, I think we saw the good and we saw the bad out of Timmy Stutzla in, in his rookie year. And at the very end of the year, he had a hat trick um, last week of the year against Winnipeg. Yes. And but if he, I mean, if he doesn't get that hat trick, he probably ends up with, you know, nine goals or 10 goals. I think he ended up with 12 goals. And, you know, it, 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 the production was probably a little bit lower than maybe some people were hoping. I think some people were thinking, OK, 56 game season. I think Tim Suits can get, you know, 18 goals, 20 goals. That didn't that didn't happen. And here's the thing that I, and I take some heat for this in the Ottawa market. And I I don't mean this as a disrespect to Stutzla. In fact, I think this is a compliment to Stutzla, but people look at it as uh, me taking a shot at him. I think a really good comparable for Tim Stutzla is Nick Ehlers in Winnipeg. Okay? Ooh, I like that. I like That's that. one of the biggest compliments you can give any player. Right. So I, I always say, I'm like, yeah, Tim Stutzla is like Nikolai Ehlers. And Nick, Nick Ehlers was kind of like a top uh, – if I'm not mistaken, he was a top 10 pick, but like Nick yeah. Ehlers has turned into. But Nick Ehlers league. isn't Patrick Kane and people want Patrick Kane. Right. But, That's yeah, the issue. But, but look at Nick Ehlers. Like that guy has been a fairly, I mean, certainly like a lock it in 20 goal guy, but certainly he's been a 25 goal guy multiple times in this league. And if Tim Stutzla turns into Nick Ehlers, which is a 25 goal, 60 point forward on a consistent basis, like 
that's a that's damn good player. And, and he's one of the best possession players in the entire yeah, league. He's so, one of the most skilled players. Yeah. Yeah. And I love I love watching Nick Ehlers. And I think, okay, like that's what Timmy Stutza could be. And I think fans get really angry and they're like, no, 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 Tim Stutza is more than that. I'm like, listen, like pump the brakes. Like let's set the expectations at Nick Ehlers. And if he becomes Patrick Kane, then then fantastic. Like that's that's even better. But I think sometimes, and, and this is not just an Ottawa thing. This is every hockey market you get a guy in the top four or five and like you just anoint him and you you know as as the next great one and <laughs> exactly you don't, you don't pump the brakes and you don't you know probably uh go into it with a little bit of uh you know skepticism but i really like timmy students and i think you know what's a realistic goal for him next year i think is to maybe if he can play the full year and doesn't get hurt i think he can maybe flirt with the 20 goal mark and i think if we go into that with that being the expectation, like this young man can score 20 goals, perfect. Uh, you know, anything less than that, I think, would be a disappointment. And anything more than that, I think we should look at it as, uh, you know, kind of exceeding the expectation. So I really like the kid. You saw flashes of the, the dynamic uh, skating ability and the, and the shot and the vision. And uh, he, he's made a couple of unbelievable passes. Like, he's a really fun player to watch. And I think out of the mix of Ottawa players, He's the one game breaker. Like I love Brady Kachuk and I love Drake Batherson and, and Josh Norris and all these guys, but none of them have the dynamic potential speed down the wing that Timmy Stutzel has. So he's a bit of an outlier on this team in Ottawa. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him next season. Yeah. I think that the biggest thing you mentioned this, like when you get a guy in the top five, especially, and I know you mentioned every hockey market, but I think that right now specifically, in Ottawa, there's been this huge crumble from what there was, you know, in 2017, this little glimpse of what could be and the whole Carlson thing and the whole Stone thing and Turris leaving and Duchesne leaving after that. I think that there's this sort of need to cling on to something. I think that Sutsla provides that. And so I think it makes complete sense, like you said, as to why fans have these high expectations for him. But I think that I think Ehlers is a great bar to set um, for a young guy like that. I think that he fits the game perfectly well in the sense that he's incredibly skilled, incredibly fast. And like Ehlers, he's one of the more craftier young stars this league has right now. I think he can, I think we all agree he can easily be better than Nick Ehlers, but I think that that's a perfect bar to set first for him. I, I think that's fantastic, quite honestly. Yeah, and like and I said, Ehlers a fun guy I mean, Ottawa fans should be thankful. I mean, he's a, a Nick Ehlers. I mean, we've talked about him on this show. He's one of the most underrated forwards in this entire league. I mean, for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think what happens is like you look at uh, that Winnipeg team, and you know they got they got Connor and they got Wheeler and they got Shifley, and you know like uh, like I think Ehlers sometimes gets lost in the mix. Like like he, he's so good. Uh, that yeah. I don't think he quite gets outside of Winnipeg. I think the Winnipeg fans probably really realize how good Nick Ehlers is. I just don't think the average fan, I, I think you guys said it best when you said Nick Ehlers, one of the most underrated players in the game. I think he is. I think he's very quietly turned into a, you know, in his mid twenties, perennial 20 goal, uh, you know, 20, 25 goal guy, 60 point guy. And you, if you ask a lot of fans, Hey, name the best player on the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, they'll, they'll probably go Connor. They'll probably go Shifley. Yeah. Maybe even Wheeler. I, Ehlers might be the third guy you list, but there's an argument to be made. He's as good as anybody. No, he is. And like, that's the thing is that um, Shifley has, 
has had this sort of hype around him for a long time now, and he he deserves plenty of it. But and well, and Wheeler as well, and Connor. Um, but Ehlers is you look at whether it's underliers or you look at his game on the ice. He's the one who's constantly driving play. He's the one who's con- who is consistently getting the puck into the other zone and keeping it in there. And I feel like that goes very like people. A lot of people don't seem to, um, I guess, uh, not just realize but appreciate what a good possession player can do. And Ehlers does that perfectly, like just perfectly. And I think Stutzla, I think he 100% has that ability to do that. I think that with, uh, especially with his edge work, like that's one of the most underrated things about his game is just the the sort of unpredictability about him when it comes to his skating, his, his, his uh, escapability, which is something that I think Nick Ehlers does as well as anybody. Um, and that got, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to be thinking about that comparison for a while now, because that's such a good comparison. Like there's <laughs> such crafty young players, you know, they're not like, you don't have Patrick Kane hands, Stutzel still probably more than Ehlers, you know, definitely has some uh, sick mitts, but that the skating ability, the escapability, the, uh, uh, the ability to just drive play. I think that's uh, very noticeable there. Uh, Pierce, I know you had a this one. A very interesting question here, but Pierce, I want to have uh, want to give you the chance to uh, ask that. Yeah, so we've brought up like the comparison of Patrick Kane, and uh, the listeners are probably going to grow like groan or whatever when they hear this. But like, we're obviously Blackhawk fans, and uh, in your most recent article, from what I saw, you said that Nikita Zadorov could be a potential uh, trade target. Patrick for, Kane, uh, yeah. comparable. Speaking of uh, good Blackhawks players, but uh, no, Nikita Zadorov <laughs> is definitely a polarizing uh, figure among Blackhawks fans, obviously trading Brandon Saad for him and just everything that's kind of happened with him. I, you know, he had a great start to the season, but towards the end, uh, it really got rough. He got scratched a couple games, and it just feels like he's f- fell out of fa- uh, favor with management. You look at uh, him him being exposed in the expansion draft and them potentially looking to trade them, and they just qualified him yesterday, but that doesn't mean they're going to sign him. And uh, Again, you listed him as a trade target, and what could be a realistic uh, return, I guess, for the Blackhawks? Well, it's, it's interesting, right? If they do trade for him, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look at a guy like Zadorov, and he was, you know, highly touted when he was – uh, you know, uh, you know, Buffalo got him, and then I think he was involved in that O'Reilly deal. And then, like you said, yeah. you, you get traded for Brandon Saad, and that's boy, that's a tough one to overcome, right? Like people, people will always judge you based on uh, who who you were traded for. And look, I think Zadorov. The reason why I think he might be a fit in Ottawa is twofold. Number one, if I'm not mistaken, you guys would know because you're Chicago fans. He would be one year away from unrestricted free agency, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. The way I look at it, like Ottawa desperately needs a one-year placeholder, okay? So they need a guy just for one year that can – and I know he can play a little bit of the left side and the right side, so that might even be perfect for Ottawa. But they just need a guy to come in and serve as a bridge to when they've got Jake Sanderson and or Jacob Bernard Docker. Both guys were first-round picks. Both plan to be uh, part of their future. They should be part of the team uh, towards the end of this regular season. They just need a guy – for a year. And I, I look at Zadorov, I'm like, man, he has all the elements that DJ Smith seems to uh, appreciate, which is he's that kind of physical, uh, you know, 200 hit a year guy, which, hey, listen, I, those are the guys that end up being super polarizing amongst uh, very intelligent hockey fans, right? Very intelligent hockey fans are like, I don't want the stay at home 
hammer defensemen. Like you don't win championships with those guys. And then the, the other side of the equation is you get the old school hockey guys. Like you need, uh, you know, the, the 200 hit defensemen. And, you know, so <laughs> this is why they become the key to Zadorov is the classic example of a polarizing player. Right? It doesn't matter where he goes, right? Like you'll, you'll have the debate whether what his value is. And I think a yeah. team like Ottawa could absolutely use him. Um, it, it would be funny because they've already got a couple of kind of Russian stay-at-home defensemen uh, in Nikita Zaitsev and Artem Zub, and now they'd be adding maybe Zadorov. But I, all I, the Z's, I, all the yep. Z's, exactly, yeah. all the Z's in uh, in one spot. Now, in terms of what they could offer, this is where it becomes interesting because I do think the Ottawa Senators have a plethora of prospects and draft picks and all sorts of things in the cover. And I think the question would be. Um, knowing that Chicago left him exposed um, in the Seattle draft kind of leads you down the path of, okay, they're probably ready to move on. So maybe they're not going to be asking for a ton, uh, but they did qualify him. And I think that there was certainly some question as to whether or not, were they going to qualify him? Were they not going to qualify him? Well, they did. So they obviously want to retain some value. And this is a guy that, you know, probably plays, uh, you know, 18, 19 minutes a night. So, you know, instead of just letting him walk for nothing, They'd want something. Now, what what is that? Is that a second round pick? Is that a prospect? Is it both? Is it, you know, but let me just put it this way. The Ottawa Senators would not have a problem uh, with a variety of options for Chicago. It's just my question would be, what do you think Chicago would actually realistically think that uh, that he's worth? And then then it's a question of going through the Senators depth chart and, and draft picks and saying, OK, this this might this this might be a fit. So I kind of wanted to, sorry, I wanted to kind of tie this into my next question regarding Eric Branstrom. And I'm, I'm wondering what the, where the organization on him, because you obviously trade Mark Stone to Vegas and that's your key got your key piece that you're getting back. But, uh, it just seems like it hasn't worked. He hasn't worked out there. And I'm just wondering if he could, he could potentially be a possible trade, like going back. Maybe that's just me wishful thinking, but I don't, I don't know what's going on with Eric Branstrom in Ottawa. Yeah. You know what? That's a really, really good question. And it's a smart question because I think if you go back to when Ottawa traded Mark Stone in the uh, spring of 2019, um, in this market in Ottawa, there's, you know, an infamous clip of Pierre Dorian, general manager of the Ottawa Senators, saying, this is my proudest day as general uh, manager because we got Eric Brandstrom. And you guys have no idea how good Eric Brandstrom is. And now we are closing in on 30 months since that trade, 24 months, whatever it is, uh, since that trade. And Eric Brandstrom has yet to crack this roster as a full-time NHLer. And so I think it's probably wishful thinking on your part to think that, okay, if the Ottawa Senators <laughs> want Nikita Zadorov, that, that Eric Brandstrom could be a piece that goes back. And I say that only because, my goodness gracious, optically, you've traded Mark Stone, and now you really only have Nikita Zadorov to show for it, and he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And so I, I think that they, they probably want to be a little bit more patient with Eric Brandstrom. And it's, it's interesting. You know, you go back, like, you go back and talk to hockey people, though, in, in 2018, 2019. The Vegas Golden Knights had three high end blue chip prospects in uh, Cody Glass, Eric Brandstrom, and Nick Suzuki. And I oh. think there's a there's a lot of people who thought Eric Brandstrom was the best of those prospects. In fact, oh, wow. when the Habs made that trade uh, involving Max, Max Pacioretty, there's a lot of people who believe 
they were trying to get Eric Brandstrom and settled on Nick Suzuki. Think about that for a second. They settled on Nick Suzuki. And now when you look at it in hindsight, you're like, man, I take Nick Suzuki over Eric Brandstrom every day of the week. And so it just goes to show you the unpredictable nature of young players and in particular young defensemen. But I think they're going to have to give Eric, like I think Eric Brandstrom is going to get one chance to make this team out of camp um, because Ottawa's a little bit light on the left side until Jake Sanderson enters the equation. Once Jake Sanderson comes here, um, they got Thomas Shabbat, Jake Sanderson on the left side. It's going to push Eric Branstrom down to the third pairing uh, regardless. So I think they'll give him the opportunity to, to, to make the team out of camp this year and uh, fully assert himself. Because I think if they turn around and trade him now, unless it's for a um, potential NHL-ready you know, young star or something like that, it'd be a tough sell in this market if you're just flipping him for a stay-at-home, rugged defenseman who doesn't have great underlying numbers and who could be a free agent uh, in a year from now. Yeah, I just feel like um, you, we've brought up the fact that you go from uh, Brandon Sud to, to Nikita Zadorov. Well, the whole trade tree is Artemi Panarin to Nikita Zadorov, and I would never wish this upon sense fans, but... Wouldn't that just be just just awful humor if they go from Mark Stone to Nikita Zadorov as well? Nikita Zadorov just kind of being the third, like part of like a huge player being traded for another one that doesn't work out, and then you trade him for Nikita Zadorov. Oh, Boy, tra- trade trees can trade trees can be so depressing. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, isn't um Wyatt Kalinek he's part of the uh, Wayne Gretzky trade still? Yeah, technically he is. Like he's part of a seventh round <laughs> pick that was thirty years later after he got traded, something like that. It's Incredible. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask Ian, um, and we just sort of we sort of touched on this with uh, you mentioned the uh, Pierre Dorian interview. Um, he's had some other uh, infamous ones as well as we know. Um, we are our team. We they I mean they are yes. <laughs> um. So, among all of this, do you think that Pierre Dorian is steering the ship in the right direction? And that can mean a lot of things. I know that can be a lot of different definitions to people. But you, Ian, do you think that he's steering the ship in the right direction? Do you think he's taking this rebuild in the right direction? Yeah. I th- listen. I I think the way they ended last season, like if they had finished last year bottom three in the standings again for like a fourth straight year. I think, I think we would have some legitimate questions and be like, Hey, when is this thing going to turn around? But when you yeah. win, I think they won 10 of their last 14 games, something like that. They won like 10 they were real good down the stretch, down the stretch. And the key yeah. to that to me was it was the young guys driving the bus. It was Brady Kachak and Drake Batherson and Stutzla and Norris. And um, you know, it was, it was those guys. It wasn't, like stopgap veterans. It was like the young guys, right? So you, it left you with a sense of this thing has an upward trajectory. It's headed in the right direction. And so I look, Pierre Dorian had a tough job. They made the decision to burn this thing to the ground, like Florida Marlins style. If you're a baseball fan, you know, you know the Marlins would win World Series and then they would just take a, oh, yeah. a, you know, a Molotov cocktail and throw it and blow up the whole thing. And that's what they did in Ottawa. And we rarely see that happen in the NHL where a team blows it up to this level, right? Like you often see rebuilds on the fly. You you trade a couple of pieces. They blew it all up. Like literally Sparta cat was the only guy left. uh, (laughs) And so, um, look, 
I think Pierre Dorian deserves one opportunity to oversee this, and it's probably this year's the year to kind of say, okay, yeah, it's going in the right direction, or no, it's not. But he's probably earned the opportunity to, at the very least, try and oversee this into a playoff team. And I think they got the pieces there. This season coming up is going to be telling. And I'm not saying that they got to be a playoff team, but they got to take another step in the right direction. If they do that, then I think absolutely we can say, you know what? He put it in the right direction. He deserves a contract extension. If they have another year where they're, you know, let's say we get to uh, American Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, you know, you know, pick whatever arbitrary date you want. And the senators are like in the bottom 10 of the standings and they're just kind of, you know, they're train wreck defensively. Then I think we have a conversation of, hey, is this actually headed in the right direction or is this just, uh, you know, one of those Buffalo Sabres? Uh, oh, my gosh, we're headed for a perpetual rebuild. And, and, and that's what the fans don't want. This is a very smart, savvy uh, hockey market. They've, they've been very patient. And I think they're willing to give the general manager uh, one more opportunity to, to kind of, you know, make sure that this is headed in the right direction. But I think the way they ended last season, I think you can, I think you can make a fair argument that they are. Uh, you know, the ship is pointed in the right direction. But I think the first three months of the season are probably going to be pretty, uh, pretty telling around here. I wanted to say that I've been saying this on the podcast so much. If they play a full 82 game season in the North division, I believe they make the playoffs and they overtake Montreal for that fourth spot. But that's just me, but they're going to have it really tough next year in that Atlantic division, just seeing all the teams that are there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I think you look at you as we go back to the old divisions, I think you can lock it in. I am. And you know, and it's really hard, right? I think as, as hockey fans, uh, you guys are Chicago fans or, you know, um, I think it's really hard sometimes to look at things objectively because that's what we do, right? When you're a fan, you don't look at things objectively. You very much look at it through the lens of your, your favorite team. And I think if you try and look at the Atlantic division super objectively, I think you would say, okay, Tampa Bay, they're a playoff team. I don't think anyone's going to do that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Toronto, they're a playoff team. Now, I'm sorry, like, they're they're a team that's going to make the playoffs. I don't mean they're built for the playoffs, but they're a team that <laughs> oh. will make they'll make the playoffs. Okay, so there's two spots that are spoken for in the Atlantic that they're not moving. Now Boston has been a perpetual playoff team for the past decade. You could talk me into the fact that there's some regression there if they lose Dave Krejci. Rask may not come back till after Christmas, and their goaltending might be point. an issue. Like so, look, Ooh, you yeah. could talk me into Boston being a bubble team, but they've earned the right to probably at least be, uh, you know, in the playoff conversation. Florida took a huge step last season. I think by adding Sam Reinhart, that's only improved their, their team. So yeah, they lose Drieger, but they got Spencer Knight coming. Like I think Does Florida is probably a pretty good team. So there's four teams right there that you would say, looking at this very objectively will probably finish ahead of Ottawa. But, you know, the Montreal Canadiens went to the Stanley Cup final last year. I still feel like you you could talk me into them being a playoff team, but I could also make an argument that I think Ottawa will be very competitive with Montreal and and could finish ahead of them. So I I would put Ottawa in a group of teams that are going to be in maybe in the hunt for a wild card spot in the East. And in that group, I would put Philadelphia, I would put the Rangers, I'd put Ottawa, I'd put New Jersey, and I'd put Montreal. And I think the good news is, I think Ottawa has pulled themselves 
out of the conversation of uh, we're with Detroit and we're with Buffalo and we're with Columbus. I think they've moved up a level. The question is, can they get out of this next little tier with these bubble teams and actually move up and make the playoffs? It's going to be a challenge, but at least they've put themselves, I think, into that conversation. Oh, for sure. I think that's, I'd say from an outside perspective, I definitely agree. Like you just said, Pierce, you know, we were, uh, we were uh, people who saw them as a team that actually could probably sneak in there if it was a full season. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest, like, and my, my question, though, um, sort of, I guess, piggybacks off of this, um, who do you think is, would you say, just from following this team, of course, uh, who would you say is the most underrated or the, uh, the unsung hero for the Ottawa Sanders? Because, you know, I, I can look at, I talk about Tim Stutza, I can talk about Brady Kachuk or Josh Norris or whatever, you know, who I see on the highlights. Who do you think is the most unsung hero uh, for the Ottawa Sanders? Boy, that's a good, it's a good question. It's funny because I think a lot of people would have said Connor Brown, but I mean, Connor Brown had like a breakout year where he's led the team in goal scoring and yeah. you know, had yeah. whatever, 20 goals. You know, the guy, there's two guys that I'll bring up here that I think really did a good job of just playing to their strengths, playing to their identity. One would be Nick Paul. And Nick Paul plays third line mm. minutes, um, you know, probably isn't a household name for, for people outside of Ottawa. Nick Paul is an awesome story of a guy who was put through waivers multiple times in his career, just, uh, you know, exemplified uh, perseverance, dedication, all that stuff, has carved out a great niche, and he's just a great 200-foot player, got a little bit of offensive touch. Like, I think he might be able to score 10, 12 goals, uh, you know, in the course of the full season, playing on the third line. He is a great unsung hero on this team. And the other guy who has become a cult hero, in Ottawa, Does is Artem think Zub. it is? Yeah, Artem, Artem <laughs> Zub is this, and 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 part of Artem Zub's, uh, I think his there's almost this fascination with Artem Zub from the fan base because he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't really speak English, he doesn't uh, he just got on Instagram for the first time, so like I, you, you're finally getting a little peek into this guy, but like you didn't know anything about him. Like the Senators signed this guy out of the KHL, you're like, who is this guy? And he was so good for them defensively and and the senators struggled in their own zone and artem zub for a you know 25 year old rookie coming in the league created a little bit of a steadying presence so artem zub and nick paul would be the two guys i would say if you're asking me who are the kind of you know get get beyond kachuk and stutzland and and shabbat and the big names uh those would be the guys that i would say really bring it on a consistent level uh, every single night interesting very interesting. I like that. Nick Paul's a guy who I, I saw. Um, he got a lot of attention at uh, he was the World Championships. Same with uh, yeah. Connor Brown. Yeah. Connor Brown was there too. He was. I mean, he was as good as he was in the regular season. He was great for that team. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. Nick Paul. That's a name. He was. Um. He was part of that uh, Jason Spezza deal, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Speaking of trade trees, yeah, absolutely. He was. Um, you know, Nick Paul, and it's funny, like that trade was 2014. Okay. Wow. Summer yeah. of 2000. It's seven years later. Seven years. And oh Nick God. Paul has really finally kind of, you know, entrenched himself as an everyday NHL player. And it's really, you know, Nick Paul was the uh, Masterton Trophy nominee for Ottawa. And he wore a letter. Uh, he was an alternate captain at the end of the year. And I think the organization really likes having him. 
because he can he can be the he's the poster boy for um, it takes time that you're gonna have your ups and downs and maybe you're gonna be put on waivers, but if you if you kind of stick with it and believe in yourself, you can make it. And I think the organization really likes having Nick to be able to speak to some of the younger players who have just been demoted or just can't quite crack the lineup with the yeah. message of stay with it because I'm I'm a great example of you know it took me five years to really break into the NHL, but uh, but here I am and I'm a I'm an everyday guy now. That's awesome. I really love that. Um, so, Jimmy, do you have any other questions to ask? You know, I don't think I have anything else to ask. I, I honestly have to keep my eyes off for Nick Paul next season. I guess that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I just want to put you on the spot here. So, first, uh, we're going to do lightning round questions, but uh, I was actually another, like, a thing I want to do here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to list off the top like ufas and i'm and i'm gonna ask you like what first team like comes to your mind when you think of them so like where they'll sign so the first name obviously is dougie hamilton where do you think he signs boy like see this one uh, okay i'm really curious on on dougie hamilton only because like i don't know what you guys thought because you're chicago fans like you'd probably have a great um opinion on this but like when seth jones Signed for a, a a higher AAV than Kale McCarr. I was like, mm. man, like, what does that mean for Dougie Hamilton? Like, does Dougie Hamilton end up? Does he get to nine million a year? Does he get like? I, I don't know. And like, boy, I've seen so many situations where people like. I still don't know that the door is a hundred percent shut on him in Carolina. But I mean, we've gotten now to the eve of of a free agency. I think if you're Dougie Hamilton, you probably at least you know poke around there but man i i'm really torn on where he ends up because as as you look at the best teams in the league you know colorado's got mccarr um you know like they pick like like you know vegas has has petrangelo and tampa's got uh their big four and like there's not that many teams that i see that are like legitimate upper echelon even i look at dallas and they got high skin in like where's like I guess what I struggle with is like, where are the places where like, I guess Montreal would be one where I do think about. And I think, um, you know, if Shea Weber's done, Dougie Hamilton, does he maybe fit there? I, I guess, but man, there's, there's so many places I look around. I'm like, they already have their number one guy in so many places, right? Like I'm having a hard time uh, as, as I think about it, uh, like thinking of places where, Somebody desperately needs that number one, that number one defense. Even like even the Flyers, I mean, they went out and they got Ryan Ellis, right? Like, so how many yeah. teams really have the room for Dougie Hamilton at eight or nine million? No, this is what I'm pretty sure that's what make this this what is going to make this uh, to the rest of the today and tomorrow and really the, like the rest of the week, and that's what's going to make it so intriguing and. Uh, yeah, I, I think the popular one seems to be New Jersey, but I don't think like New Jersey's just like that team where they're going to take a huge step. But at, at least if you're looking from playoff contenders, like it just where's the the cap space, and it's likely that they have a couple of really good defensemen. So um, another another name, Gabriel Landeskog. Do you think he stays in Colorado, or do you think he finds a new home? 
I think, you know what, if you had to ask me today, I think he, he finds a way back to Denver. And I think part of it is, I think when you've been the captain of a team, and we saw this with Steven Stamkos a few years ago. Yeah. You know, where Steven was the, the, the captain and in that summer of 2016, like he really, truly flirted with leaving Tampa. And, but at the yeah. end of the day, I think he was like, man, I think I have some unfinished business here. First round pick, captain, we haven't got it done. I'm going to stay. And I mean, the issue for Landis Cog is going to be obviously they got McCarr and they got McKinnon. I don't know if they're going to be able to get Grubauer done, but maybe Landis Cog says to himself, "Look, I'm going to take two year deal. I stay in Denver. Let's try and win this thing, and then I, I can revisit it." I, man, I just it's hard when you wear that C. It's hard to walk away, and I think he he knows how close they are. I think a lot of people would tell you that if they had the, to pick a Stanley Cup favorite for next year, Colorado might be at or near the top of the list. So if you're asking me, I think Gabe Landeskog finds a way to stick around for, for at least a couple more years. I agree with you on that, but an interesting team, I feel, if he makes it to free agency, is the Boston Bruins. Oh, man. <laughs> um, well, so it's if, they let, if they let David Krejci walk, um, you know, theoretically, and I don't think, I think they didn't uh, qualify some RFAs. Like, they got a little bit of room, right, potentially, that um, you could totally see that 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 being a fit. Uh, so two more players. The first one being Philip Deneau. Where do you think he goes? Yeah, so I don't know what. Like, boy, when I saw last year that Phil Deneau turned down the way, you know, whatever the five times five or you know whatever the rumor was. Look, I I think Philip Deneau really showed his value in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Right, he drew the tough oh, assignments. Yeah. He drew Austin Matthews. He drew. Uh, you know, well, Shifley wasn't a factor in that series, but like, like he, he, Mark he, Stone. he, I mean, Mark he, Stone. Stone, he really uh, neutralized Mark Stone uh, in that series. And so I, I think when you look at Phil Deneau, you're like, okay, well, this guy's been pretty good. And I think he's had one, he had one season. I think he had 50 points, but other than that, though, he doesn't drive play. He doesn't drive offense. He's a very much to me, Phil Deneau is your perfect third line centerman. And I, I look at him and I think, man, Someone's going to overpay, I think, for Phil Deneau. Like, someone's going to pay, like, I, like and he's, he's right at that age at 27, 28, where you're going to get two really good years out of him, and then three years from now, you're going to be like, man, this guy's making 5.5 or whatever it is. So, again, that's, again, the type of guy that I think is going to end up signing a deal that's it's going to probably – make your eyes pop out of your head. You're like, wow, Phil Deneau got that. And they're probably going to regret it after a couple of years. But he's the type of guy you can go somewhere and like, and really be a factor and, and, and probably be a really good, like if I was, and Edmonton's made their decision, I think on Zach Hyman, but that's mm-hmm. the type of like those teams that need that Just type depth. of, yeah, that type <laughs> of quality, uh, you know, depth up front. That, that's where Phil Deneau is going to, uh, he's really going to work. Uh, either way, I would hate to be the team that traded uh, him for uh, Thomas Fleischman and uh, Dale Weiss. But uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, the last player is uh, Blake Coleman. So Blake Coleman, and 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 I think when you saw Barkley Goudreau sign for what he did, you're thinking like, and they, like this could be an interesting free agency period where guys like Zach Hyman, Blake Coleman, um, you know, Phil Deneau, who aren't necessarily. Uh, you know, 25 goal guys are going to get paid. I, maybe Zach Hyman might be, but um, th- this is going to be interesting. And, 
you know, Blake Coleman is going to be a guy that, again, is probably going to get paid. Like, I don't think Tampa wins those two Stanley Cups without Blake Coleman. And, oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think if you're one of those teams that has been knocking on the door, and I'm, I'm looking at you, Colorado, right? I'm looking at you, uh, you know, maybe Ve- well, Vegas doesn't have the room, and, and maybe Colorado doesn't. But it's those types of teams like that are knocking on the door that haven't been able to necessarily get it done. And I'll throw another team that you, you already mentioned on, on Gabe Landeskelly, the Boston Bruins. Yeah. It would be the type of team that uh, have been knocking on the door. Like, the, yeah, they won a Stanley Cup 10 years ago, but they've been knocking on the door and they haven't, you know, put it, put it all together. Uh, he'd be a great fit in a place like that. So I think Blake Coleman's going to get another one of those contracts that, probably make your eyes pop out of your head, but if he can, if he can help deliver a Stanley cup, uh, like he has in these last couple of years, uh, he's, he's probably going to be, he's going to be worth it in the short term. All right. Uh, it's been great to hear your thoughts on everything, Ian, but we got to move on to the most, of course, the most important questions of the show of the lightning round. Um, what is your, what is I, I keep every time when we get to this with guests, I always I always narrow it down. What's your favorite blank of all time? And I should just like be more like list off a couple of your favorite blanks of all time. So I'm gonna start off. What are some of your favorite movies of all time? Oh, favorite movies? No, this is like this is going right out of left field. Here I'm thinking about where Blake Coleman's gonna sign. <laughs> and That's why uh, I love this. Okay, yeah, so everyone off guard. Uh, my and you know what? This movie surprisingly holds up well because i saw it when i was like nine years old ten years old uh is the original back to the future okay that is my all-time all-time favorite movie and i think what's great about it is like i watch that movie like i we my wife and i have two uh teenagers and we watched that movie with them you know four or five years ago and they were right into it they love the plot they love the premise and it holds up pretty well so if you're asking me what is my you know kind of all-time uh, you know, favorite movie. It's Back to the Future. And I'm going to go, uh, you know what, another one that's all, like sneaky good for me? You guys are going to laugh at me. Maybe you'll mock me. I'm a huge for fan sure. of Mean Girls. I love Mean Girls. I love that's Mean Girls too. I respect that. Movie. That's a great pick. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I respect the hell out of that. <laughs> yeah, I love how he's like prepared to get like it to be a negative response no that's incredible i gotta watch that again i haven't seen that in quite some time but i love mean girls um what are some of your favorite tv shows of all time i felt like we kind of touched on this earlier but uh yeah um okay so i don't think there's a better there's been a better television better comedy than the first two seasons of arrested development to me i oh my goodness i (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that is so clever so quirky so witty so clever like so many like whatever adjective you want to use like again you're sticking me somewhere and you're like hey listen you've 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 only got two seasons of a television show uh to watch on repeat for the rest of your life i'm thinking season one and two of arrested development like uh, i i think it's 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 hilarious like it to me um i love re-watching it we've our, our oldest daughter is 17 and she loves it. And it's it's kind of neat to, to you know, watch a show like that with somebody who's never seen it and, and kind of laugh at it again. So if you're asking me the best all-time comedy, uh, I think is that. But I've always been a fan, too. Like, I love I love The Office. I love Parks and Rec. Uh, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love yeah. – um, you know what? I, I As a kid, like, I loved, you know, Seinfeld and those things. 
I can't. I don't know about you guys. And you're you're certainly younger than I would be, but like. I can't watch a like a comedy that has a laugh track on it anymore. Oh, I agree with you. I, it's I so stupid. Here, yeah. Like it seems so stupid now to watch a TV show from like the '90s and you're like, you know, pause for laughter. So I kind of, you <laughs> know, Friends. I, yeah. <laughs> and and it, and it's funny though. Like both of our daughters watched Friends start to finish, and like I think if you talk to most like 14 year old kids. They've watched Friends. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, me too. The kids love Friends. I don't, I don't ask me why. Um, my, I had a, a higher amount of respect for you, but it just shot through the roof when you said that you said the first uh, two seasons of Arrested Development are some of the best uh, TV show ever. I respect you so much for that. I love Arrested Development. I actually only watched it like during uh, COVID, but uh, I, I absolutely love it. Just the cast is amazing. Um. Uh, what is some of your favorite uh, uh, bands, artists, slash albums of all time? Oh, boy. We're going wide-ranging here. So yeah. <laughs> I don't really necessarily have, like, a like a genre that I'm like, yeah, this guy, I like this or that. Like, uh, like my Apple, like, I got Apple Music. Like, it's a pretty yeah. wide-ranging, like, literally tons of stuff from the 70s. The, uh, you know, and, and, like, honestly, like, I, I don't have any particular album like i you know uh i got a bunch of taylor swift songs on here i got a bunch of fleetwood mac i got a bunch of i love fleetwood mac yeah you know and i got you know lots of elton john and billy joel love elton john uh nirvana pearl jet like it's all on there literally uh (laughs) if, if you looked at my apple playlist or my you know downloaded songs you'd be like wow this guy likes everything from 1970 to 2021 inclusive so i that's amazing I don't really have the one, uh, the one genre, but it's, uh, I, I just, honestly, it, it's so great. Like I, I, I don't know how FM radio stations, it's so weird. Like, like when I was growing up, you would, you know, turn on, you know, your favorite FM top 40 radio station and you'd like, you know, you'd wait for your favorite song to, to come on the radio. And I, and I just, it's so fascinating now that you're like, you know, just get in your car and just put your Bluetooth, your CarPlay or Apple Android yeah. or your Android, whatever, um, uh, in, into your car and you just pick your your playlist and you you don't have to wait for your favorite songs anymore so i i usually just put on a you know hit shuffle or whatever and i get a pretty good uh a uh, pretty good mix of uh of things in there one of the best feelings i feel is that as your favorite song coming on in the car but it's on the radio because you don't expect it i just feel when you're you're maybe going for a walk and you're putting your your earphones in and you're listening to music it just isn't the same where you're caught off guard it's like oh this is my favorite song i didn't even choose it there's just something like yeah. about that that i love it's an underrated feeling well that's why and that's why the shuffle option is good right you're like you don't know you technically don't know what's going to come up next I yeah guess. um last question this is the most important question of all. Do you think pineapple belongs on pizza? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, this... <laughs> okay. I'm not... oh, man. uh okay. Let me put it this way. Like if you're asking me if I'm ordering a pizza, would I put like a would I order a Hawaiian? No, I wouldn't. But if I went to somebody's house and it was or a pizza party and like I go to, you know, you know, that's We've all been to a pizza party and you, you open up the first box and it's like, ah, it's just cheese. And you keep opening the boxes <laughs> and it's a bad feeling when you open it up and there's just cheese or there's just a vegetarian or there's just Hawaiian left. Right. I would eat it. I would. I'm not going to complain. It wouldn't be my pizza first pizza. choice. Okay. Um, exactly. But, you know, pizza's pizza. 
but you know, uh, for people who have listened to me, whether it's on podcasts or radio over the years, I think you would know that I, I'm usually a guy like I live, I often live in the gray area, meaning I don't, I don't often see things like black or white. Like, so I'm not one of these people like, don't ever put pineapple on your pizza. So I don't love it. I could eat it, but it's not my preference. I know that's probably a lame answer because I didn't no, answer. That's pretty, that's pretty common. I'm 100% on that same page <laughs> with you. So I, I respect you even more for that. There we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we had you way over the time limit, but I really appreciate it. I, I, it's probably the busiest time of the year with for you with free agency coming up. But I really, we both really appreciate you making the time to come on to oh, discuss yeah. some I, hockey and uh, Mean Girls and the rest of development and if, uh, pineapple belongs on pizza. It was a great conversation. Um, I, I love the work you do for the athletic. I love the podcast you do with uh, uh, Haley Salvian and uh, Sean McIndoe, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I absolutely recommend checking that out. Uh, uh, Ian Mendez's article articles on at the Athletic are worth the price of mission alone. I would say, um, <laughs> not a plug, <laughs> but uh, uh, thank you for coming on. It meant so much that we could uh, finally do this and uh, enjoy the rest of this crazy week. Uh, uh, guy, yeah, listen, guys, it, uh, I appreciate. It. You know what? It was a uh, it's a really fun conversation when 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 you get to be able to talk about. Uh, mean Girls and Pineapple Pizza and Breaking Bad in addition to <laughs> where, where, where's Philip Deneau going to go. It's, uh, it's yeah. a cool conversation. So I appreciate it. And uh, hey, listen, down the road, would uh, you know, love to connect with you guys again. Absolutely. Have a great rest okay. of your day. Okay. You too, guys. Bye-bye.